Remember when you went to anger management as a kid? Yeah, it was with this coach, Devin. Mm -hmm. I hated that bald <laughs> fuck. I just wanted to punch him. Yeah, it sounds like the class has helped. I had really bad anger issues yeah, as a kid. I know. I actually threw knitting needles at one of my classmates in fourth grade. It's too damn gross to be throwing needles. Like, what What did that bitch, what did that fourth grade bitch do to get your blood pumping like that? She was giving me the silent treatment. I hate the silent treatment. You sound like a serial killer. <laughs> hey, I, got I my, hate the silent treatment. I got my anger issues from my dad. I remember because you threw a landline phone at my head when we were in kindergarten. And if I hadn't ducked, you would have just taken my head off. Like, you, you knocked the doorknob off. I remember that. I do remember that. Yeah, I had anger issues too as a kid though, but mine were from my mom and I would like fight kids in the yard. I would I also I would watch The Real World and Jersey Shore with my dad on MTV, so that could have been an influence. You were like this is how conflicts are worked out. I mean, between like every adult woman in my life and the ones on TV, beefing just seemed to be the way that you handled it. There are many like us out there. Today's episode is about anger. It sounded so <laughs> ominous. There are many like us out there. That yes. sounds like a dog whistle. What do you mean? <laughs> People with anger issues, silly. Oh, okay. I get it. It was just vague. Jews. It was just... <laughs> Anyways, I'm Evangelia. And I'm Emily. <laughs> and welcome to What's Gonna Happen. childhood is when we kind of prime how we're going to be dealing with our emotions for the rest of our lives you know we develop most of our anger and our attachment styles around then where does anger come from i don't even know that's like a hard question i feel like one day it just started happening to me yeah one day you just like hulk the fuck out yeah pretty much I guess you could say some of it comes from like how we're taught by our parents to metabolize our challenging feelings and all that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I think anger issues beget anger issues. Our mm -hmm. parents get them from their parents and so on and so on from the dawn of time. Yep. The old adage, shit rolls downhill, comes to mind. My dad punched a hole in the wall. Was it because of math homework? Because I remember many middle school and high school nights on FaceTime with you post-math homework fight with your father. <laughs> and it would be like tears streaming down your face like you had a forced abortion and meanwhile it's fraction listen do not put a fraction in front of me if it's not whole i don't want it <laughs> but yeah no the whole wall wasn't actually math related okay. um, i don't remember why he did that honestly yeah, I, no, I would have probably punched a hole in the wall, too, if I was your dad. The man deals with a lot. Do you remember the night that I slept over and he woke everyone up screaming because someone took a mystery shit on the wall? To this day, <laughs> we do not know who the mad shitter is. <laughs> Struck multiple times at multiple family functions. You know I what? Think it was no, don't no, say I it. Think it no, don't say it. Don't out him. Don't out him. <laughs> I said there are suspects. There are suspects. There are suspects. We're going to have to bleep who, who she yeah, said it was. <laughs> bleep it. <laughs> there are suspects. But yeah, parental rage definitely gets passed down. You know, generational trauma also predisposes people to have anger issues and just like mental health problems in general. You know, we, we definitely have to be conscious of how we handle our anger. Otherwise, it, it will affect the next generation. Yeah, definitely. Anger is healthy to experience, but I hope we kind of slowly start to learn that acting on anger isn't always the way to handle things. Yeah. I think we've been lucky enough to see, like, the world try to understand mental health more. But, you know, as 
as us being like the generation that knows the most about it, at least like firsthand, it's our responsibility to make an effort towards self-healing, I think, even more than like the generations before us. Yeah, we definitely all have a lot to work on. What about you, though? Like, what are what are some things that like speak to the angry or negative part inside of you? What do you feel like fuels you to act on your anger? I mean, when I get overwhelmed, I'm definitely way more likely to explode in anger. Like, if there's too much going on at once, my anxiety is triggered and I just freak the fuck out. So you feel like you, like, take your anger out on other people unjustly when you're overstimulated? Yeah, I mean, usually it's unjust. It's definitely an unnecessary escalation. Yeah, I think that's, like, a good phrase. Like, that's, like, a good point. Like, the idea of anger not being worth feeding into because it's just an unnecessary escalation that, like, usually results in communication getting a lot worse. Yeah, people storming off or ignoring each other. Or, like, getting wrapped up in ad hominem. Like, I try my best to make it a rule to minimize, like, going for someone's uncontrollable attributes when I'm fighting with them. Because it feels like there's just, like, less integrity to the conversation if we're talking about, like, appearances or digs. Yeah, I don't usually insult people out of anger. Right, you insult them behind their backs when you're in a good mood. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) There's no reason to mix anger with insulting. Why combine a bad thing and a good thing? Yeah, you're you're right, you're right, definitely. I think I I definitely have had a lot of internalized anger build up over the years, you know, like the the whole anger turned inward becomes depression thing. Yeah, I get that. My internal conflict usually revolves around my looks, though, because, you know, I'm vain. I don't think it's vain to have an internal conflict about your appearance. I think it's a product of like the exploitation of women under capitalism. Yeah, refinement culture, grind culture, self-improvement culture. Mm-hmm. It all makes you constantly want to improve yourself. And if you don't see progress, you feel like you're failing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I think self-improvement is made to seem like it's this linear thing. You know, you learn about your problems and then you address them little by little and your life gets better. You know, but the reality is there's this kind of like extra step in between learning and addressing. There's like intervals of learning where you become aware of your situation and you're not able to do anything about it because you haven't worked up the mental energy to like actually act on solutions that you learn. You know, you have to like kind of in a way lead the same life that you did before with the same consequences, but just like a greater knowledge of what you should do. And like when you can't feign ignorance, you know, you're not like equipped to handle the truth at the same time. You're just like stuck in a self-observing state. Yeah. And that state is definitely where you get frustrated and angry because it's like, well, now what am I supposed to do? Right. Exactly. Because like self-improvement is marketed to us incorrectly. You know, people are left with this like guilt or a hopelessness that manifests in depression and relapsing isolation you know like people fucking kill themselves about this shit yeah or you can project that anger onto other people and you can become bitter and jealous like me (laughs) for sure at their most benign those are the kind of like stagnant people that are like i'm just an asshole or i'm just being honest i'm i'm gonna complain because i can not because anything's actually really bothering me yeah but that's like i complain because i can i mean yeah that's true we all have parts of ourselves too that we need to deal with like these are things that are universal you know we we deal with these problems to an extent it's a process you know how do you handle dealing with like negative thoughts and trying not to project I feel like self-acceptance to the point of neutrality has been working to kind of mellow me out. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, not necessarily loving yourself to the fullest, but meeting yourself with just like objective acceptance. But shouldn't you shouldn't you love yourself to the fullest? Like shouldn't you strive for that? Maybe. But I actually think the first step is just trying to accept yourself for who you are. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to be proud of who you are to be able to live with who you are. You don't have to do anything to prove yourself. You're just you, and that's chill. Because the thing about positivity is, like, when you think you're the best, it hurts so much more when you fuck up. Because you're like, how did this happen to me? 
But if you have a neutral opinion of yourself, it holds less weight. It's not devastating if you fuck up because your expectations are lower. <laughs> I mean, hmm. <laughs> I, I think I agree with, like, some of that. But not all of it. Like, I do think it's important to meet yourself where you're at and, like, fully accept what you can't change and change what you can, you know, all that. But, like, I don't know if having low expectations is beneficial <laughs> like maybe low risk if you don't succeed but but still having high expectations i just feel like striving for confidence prevents anger from manifesting it's not necessarily low expectations it's okay. just like it's acceptance right it's just that last you say you know if you fuck up your expectations or have been lower like you're well, not yeah, like if you think you're like i'm the best person i don't like, think I'm that so that's amazing. the like total alternative though to yeah, but that's what i'm saying you gotta find yeah, like, a little yeah. middle ground right okay for sure. Finding a middle of total neutrality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that like a lot of anger comes from insecurity. And I guess the most important thing is to remind yourself like whatever happened in the past already happened. There's no point in being angry or sad or whatever about it because you can't change that. It already happened. Mm -hmm. You just have to not do it again and not repeat those yeah. same mistakes. Like gentle parenting your brain. Yeah, pretty much. How do you gentle parent when you're panicking, though? Mm, haven't quite figured that one out yet. Mm -hmm. You know, name five things you can see, four things you can touch, <laughs> three things you can hear, two things you can smell, one thing you can taste. Yeah, that's a good one. I think, like, grounding yourself is very important when you feel your mood escalating. It's so hard to regulate like that, though, when you're having, like, a conflict through the phone, like, arguing online or texting with someone or, like, you know, it's just, like, it's not as grounded of a, of a platform to have that fight on, so it just feels, like, harder to realize it's a real thing yeah i think it's definitely the hardest when you're like arguing with a stranger online because there's no sense of like like that's not a real person that's a username it's like in a it's just an opinion you don't agree with you could project anything you want online it serves the same function as like surrounding yourself with an echo chamber of content that reinforces your beliefs you know fighting with someone who you disagree with online is basically just screaming your opinions at the wall it takes a lot more strength i think to step back I recently fought with people online, not going to lie. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we all get caught up in it sometimes. You know, What was your most recent feud about? So I posted a TikTok the weekend before Halloween. Not Halloween, the weekend before that. Uh -huh, like okay. October 24th, okay? okay? About a month ago now, where I said Taylor Swift. Oh, well, there you go. You fucked yourself. You cannot talk about that woman online. Her fans are so scary. Right, yes. Apparently, I committed the thought crime of saying her lyric draw the cat eye sharp enough to kill a man was stupid. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just, it's very much a millennial line, you know? It's so clearly a straight woman trying to be cunty and just ending up sounding like those wedding toppers where the wife is, like, killing the husband. <laughs> it's just such an obviously stupid lyric, and ever since I posted that, I have gotten a constant barrage of attacks, and not a day has gone by where I have not gotten harassed online. They told me I have a big forehead, told me I have a big nose. They literally go in for my throat. This Swifties are angry. I'm fucking angry too. <laughs> I used to not care about Taylor Swift. Like, I just didn't care either way. I was indifferent towards her. But now I actively dislike her. I hate her even. I hate Taylor Swift. Oh my god. Well, there you go. Um, look at how anger pollutes. You know, if the Swifties had met you where you were at, right? You wouldn't be here on the pod spreading hate to Taylor, who is also polluting on her private jet, emitting over 8,000 tons of carbon emissions every hour. Oh my God, should I actually imagine? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That actually, I, that literally crossed my mind, like while I was no, saying it. Would. 
she would she do some shit she like would. that. Don't be a Karen Taylor, right? That That's bitch. all we have to say, right? Don't be a Karen Taylor. I'm gay. What, you hate gays, Taylor? They backed me into disliking her, the Swifties. Mm -hmm. And I hate how they try to say she's, like, gay or something and her music is gay and that she's, like, a lesbian icon. We need more lesbian musicians because why are you people trying to say that Taylor Swift is a lesbian icon? What's wrong with you people? I really, I did see a Tumblr post breaking down why Taylor Swift will never be the camp icon her fans want her to be, and I wish I had that on deck. But, yeah, it is a common sentiment that Taylor is, like, a queer baiter. Yeah, Taylor, you're... Your cat eye doesn't have to be sharp enough to kill a man. You're going to kill us all with your carbon emissions. (laughs) We go missing after this. This is literally the last episode of what's going to happen. Taylor snipes us. This is the last I will literally. literally (laughs) This is our black box. (laughs) Um, Yeah, those kind of conflicts can be hard to manage online. Let's hope they don't listen to this. I'm like actually scared of getting docked. But yeah, when you're on the receiving end of a barrage of anger, like you said. I often find myself on the receiving end of barrages of anger. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, to be fair, I think a lot of the time you catastrophize and you think more people are mad at you than they actually are. Yeah, I mean, I've had my issues with my lies, friends, parents, lovers. <laughs> you sound so mysterious. You're like a femme fatale. I mean, I just, friends, I lie parents, about everything. parents, lovers. What? <laughs> I, I literally just lie about random shit. Sometimes there's not even a motivation. It just happens. You literally are the just felt like lying today tweet. I really am. I have to say, though, my most purposeful lies are to my parents. Well, let's hope the Hermans are not tuned in for this one. No, yeah, I just lie about everything. Where I am, what I'm doing. <laughs> you just like to... <laughs> you just like to scramble everyone up. Like, what, what about the lies you tell other people? Why are you lying so... What are you, a judge? <laughs> Okay, I lie all the time about movies that I've watched. Okay, that's like small potatoes. Like, yeah, I've, I lied to you about having seen White, Eyes Wide Shut. I lied to you about watching Fantastic Planet. Okay, so yeah, but like, so people get angry at you because you like, are you lying about like what movies you've seen? Like, you're making it sound like you're this like big Ocean's 8 kind of. Well, I'm not like a Like you have a web scammer. of lies. Big, you know, <laughs> you just. You just, you're just run of the mill liar. <laughs> Well, okay, how do you handle when people get angry at you about these lies? Like, how do you handle it without getting defensive and, like, making things worse when you're caught? Because you are caught. I've caught you in lies. Well, sometimes I do get defensive and make things worse. But Mm -hmm. when people find out I'm a liar, they usually get mad at me. And I'm like, well, there's nothing we can really do about this now. (laughs) Like, like, I already lied. You can't go back on it. So there's no point in being defensive. when they already know I'm a liar, then I get more defensive. Either way, you just gaslight me. I don't think I'm a gaslighter. I think you're crazy for even saying that. You're right. I'm probably (laughs) just confused. I'm sorry for bothering you. In all seriousness, I've been trying to excuse myself from situations when I feel like I'm getting too heated, just like going on a walk, Mm -hmm. taking space. Yeah, that's such an underrated way of managing anger, like just stepping away so you can catch yourself before you blow. I think the thing is, it's important not to step away and repress your feelings or hype yourself up more, though. You have to be, like, very non-judgmental of yourself when you're processing those things. Like, just letting, like, instinctive reactions pass and then when you're ready to communicate, like, communicate. Yeah, I think it's one of the better ways to handle arguments. Mm -hmm. Also, just remembering, like, you can't always convince someone of something and that's okay. 
you know, your truth can be enough or maybe even their truth is worth considering. The satirist Jonathan Swift said, you can't reason someone out of an opinion they did not arrive at through reason. Very true. If you can't change the situation, you pretty much just have to let go of it. And if you don't, you'll just become resentful and nihilistic and less productive. I think it's interesting to bring up that concept of like productivity and anger because I feel like I feel like chasing upward mobility out of spite is a big thing we see in society. Like, I think there's this capitalist thing of like the supreme need to flex on other people because like everybody's preying on your downfall. Like anger is motivating people to get rich or whatever. Like, you, yeah, exactly. Like, like, I think a lot of men fall into that. Like a lot of like anger is a masculine thing. It's like like rage is like an animalistic primal kind of incentivizer. And that's why it's like alpha to beat a guy up over a girl that they want or like, you know, fight over even feeling slightly disrespected. Like men are praised in society for their anger and their lack of empathy and in the workplace too because like you kind of have to be a sociopath to climb to a certain rank yeah like that's why i would say anger is actually kind of more accepted in society as an expression of negative emotions than sadness because anger is associated with masculinity so sadness is kind of seen as like pathetic Mm -hmm. yeah and anger is also weaponized against women more than it is against men like i think anger is used to stereotype women of color lesbians feminists yeah because anger is not feminine yeah it's a it's a very good example of how how toxic masculinity can lead to racism and prejudice. Yeah, anger is a boy, sadness is a girl, and if you're one, you can't be the other, or you're deviating from your role. There is this TikTok user, Earth to Abs, two Bs, the two is a two, and she made this post, and like she, I don't even know who she is, but she just came up on my thing, and she says, like, a lot of men will try to convince you that humans are intrinsically selfish and egotistical because they can't cope with the fact that women are actually taught from birth to put their community, friends, family, and eventually their children on an equal and sometimes higher footing than them. Male individualism is completely dependent on the emotional labor of women, and whenever you try to point this out, they act like you're denying basic human facts. That's a really good quote for, like, a random TikTok. Yeah, right? I felt like it was, like, relevant because, like, I feel like selfishness and egotism go hand in hand with rage in a lot of guys. Yeah, like, that's the whole incel thing. Incels are really caught up in their perceived sense of injustice. Like, oh, the system is against me because my wrists are two centimeters too small. Wrists? Yeah, they think they can't get women because of their wrists. (laughs) They're called wrist cells. What? Wrist cells? Jesus Christ, men will do anything but be fucking normal. Your wrists? I'm sure you've heard of the dog pill. You're wrong. I have not. What? What is the dog pill? <laughs> What's the dog pill, Emily? I'm what so is glad the you dog asked. Pill? I'm so glad yeah, you asked. The I dog, bet you are. The dog pill is the incel idea that yeah. no matter what men do, they will never be enough for women because mm-hmm. women will always want Wanna, to fuck their mm-hmm. dogs more than they want to fuck them. them. Yeah, right. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> Holy shit, you know? <laughs> we have lost the plot. We've completely lost the plot. I saw a TikTok where this guy, he used the song, he used the sound that's like, from that's like, everybody knows. Everybody knows that he fucks you. And he was like, me when I see women out with their weirdly muscular pit bulls. <laughs> Yo, what the fuck? Oh my God. Women need to beat the bestiality allegations. And the sad thing is, a lot of them wouldn't be able to. Yeah. A lot of them wouldn't be able to. Basically, instead of being like, how can I make myself more approachable to women? Incels are like, this is rigged. The world is set up against me. My wrists are too small and it's over. (laughs) Right. And then they resent women and then they kill them. And a lot of male anger just turns into like politically charged violence or resentment and just like rage. 
I honestly kind of have to empathize with the wrist cells, though, because I've definitely <laughs> been like, my chin is one centimeter too wide. It's fucking over. It's over. I should kill myself. But they kill other people, and that's really that, that's the difference between men and women. Drives people to terrorism. Yes, I mean, well, that is pretty much the majorest thing that drives people to terrorism: political political anger. Hope is a motivator, but anger is, like, what makes people do things. Even good things like strikes. People do that because they're angry. It drives people to action. Right. That's anger that's harnessed in, like, a positive way, though. It's, like, trained communal anger. That's where real justice comes from. You know, communication and, like, a sense of self-possession. If one person in a strike or a protest isn't able to contain themselves, they can fuck it up for everyone else, you know? Like, holding other people's perspectives helps with self-control. And then self-control, like makes you more able to think things clearer, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely healthy to have an anger that isn't purely selfish. Like, communal anger is much more productive. It helps decenter us from our own little rage bubbles and actually realize we can take action to help other people. Mm -hmm. That being said, though, we definitely have to find, like, a sense of peace in ourselves if we want to successfully fight for a communal cause. Because otherwise, then you get, like, get too involved with things for the wrong reasons. Definitely. Like, how you control your anger and emotions determines your interpersonal relationships and Mm -hmm. how you interact with the world on all our scale like through political actions right like yeah like who you vote for and stuff yeah i think like having a strong community tie like makes you less likely to be like an individually angry person you know like people who have strong family ties and like connections to where they're from good support systems friends you know all that like they just have more comfort in life because they're able to exist in a world that's smaller than the world that revolves around all of us, you know, in a sense. And like, I don't know, maybe that doesn't make sense, but I just feel like if you build a network of people who care about you and you give back to that network what you take, you're much more likely to be like a confident person. You're less reliant on like attaching to random individual things or people for stability. And so you're not as like fragile and so you're not as irritable. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think having a smaller world is important, especially because humans just weren't meant to take in this much information, especially about things that are happening so far away and out of our control. Like, the other day, I was, like, doom scrolling on Twitter, and I came across a video of this young girl in India who had just been raped and was on the ground bleeding, being filmed by, like, 20 dudes. What the fuck what the fuck is going on at twitter like th- that's why i don't have that app i don't want to see that what yeah that video like it made, ruined my night it made what me part of so twitter angry. Are you on? yeah what fucking that. part of twitter are you on i just on? was like on twitter they were like this is like i don't know like, this, this is, is what's this going is what on you're getting and then boom like what the hell like existing in this world can make anybody feel like so helpless like what imagine just like minding your business on your iphone in bed and then you see that like I think I think a lot of the time, you know, people like excuse our actions based on the state of the world because it's easier than looking inward. But like it is also just horrible that like there is no peace. Like if you spend too much time online, you will see that. Yeah. I mean, touch grass, look inward, engage with your community. (laughs) We say it every episode and it's always true. Yeah. And like even though things do feel hopeless sometimes especially on like a political level just kind of i guess remembering that there are ways to communicate with people who have different views you know it's it's not anybody's responsibility to like you shouldn't have to be in a position where you're being disrespected or like educating people who don't want to be educated or whatever like you know you shouldn't have to tire yourself out in that way but there are ways to kind of like depolarize people if that's something you're interested in yeah it's definitely good to do that obviously there's still a line like liberal media outlets inviting nazis on their shows to like quote-unquote have debates is still wrong Mm -hmm. but 
if it's just a matter of talking to someone you don't necessarily agree with on something political, it's definitely possible to have a respectful conversation. Or you could just cyberbully each other like me and the Swifties are doing right now. That's true. There are ways to avoid being in the situation you are in with the Swifties. Or the situation you were in with the Rick and Morty fans. God, you really pick like the worst fandoms to annoy. Next, you're going to say you like Cardi B more than Nicki Minaj. No comment. Whoa. <laughs> God, that's it. I love Cardi B too, though. Um, all women are equal. All women are beautiful. Nobody be mad, please. Anyways, um, there's yes, there's a lot of ways you can facilitate difficult discussions with people who have different beliefs. But... I think the hardest part and the part that all of us struggle with is like putting aside judgment and the intention to change someone's mind. If you're going to enter a conversation as sensitive as most of the hot button political issues are today, boo. they're super sensitive. Putting aside judgment, boo. <laughs> I know it's hard, especially when the opinion in question is like anti-human rights. You know, it's, it's so hard to argue with someone who just like, you know, doesn't believe you should be able to do things, you know, but like in some form or another, like people with those opinions are family members or acquaintances or just like we find ourselves interacting with people who have different beliefs and like avoiding coming across them is like kind of impossible especially when you live in a diverse place like we do yeah it's good not to be in echo chambers it's good to know your enemy more than that it's good to like find a common ground though too like you know i think avoiding buzzwords if you want to talk about like climate change or talk you know anything like that like talking about pollution instead you know if you want to talk about the issue of like our system identifying how both political parties have fucked up instead of just like honing in on one like taking a step back and finding a common ground because there almost always is one that's the thing like establishing like appreciations or beliefs about the world that you like share with people it's like human connection you know just like asking people questions that lead them to look inward instead of being defensive i mean yeah like Climate change isn't a buzzword, but, like, just instead of using, like, a term that you know the other person, like, is almost going to have a knee-jerk reaction to, like, if you say climate change to somebody who, like, for whatever reason does not believe in climate change, they're just going to have a knee-jerk reaction to that. To that term, yeah. Like, just anything, yeah, I say buzzwords, I mean, like, any term that you know is going to, like, upset that person, because at this point we know what, like, the buzzwords of the other side are like what what are the trigger words i guess you could say for the other side because like they get that. triggered you, i like that you put it that way i mean it is a trigger word like it is like the things that get people defensive and angry we want to avoid that i usually ask a lot of questions when i'm talking to someone that doesn't agree with me yeah why do you do that um because instead of being defensive it encourages them to make their points also mm -hmm. that way if they contradict themselves and their argument is weak like that's them like they dig them i like to let them dig themselves into right. a hole not me it makes the conversation less angry too yeah no th i mean this stuff actually works like meeting meeting each other at a common ground and just like easing someone into an idea that like that's been proven to work better than like mockery or fighting i mean obviously but like people's opinions do change that's true definitely yeah, there was actually a study done called The Manifold Effects of Partisan Media on Viewers' Beliefs and Attitudes. And it was a field experiment with Fox News viewers. Um, and it was done this year. It was with David Brookman and Joshua Calla. They were the ones who conducted it. Basically, they paid Fox News viewers $15 an hour to watch seven hours of CNN per week for a month. So, like, there were a bunch of Republicans who basically... I like, am about to go on the website and tell them that I watch Fox News so that I can get paid $15 <laughs> an hour. Should to watch seven hours of CNN per week for mm -hmm. a month. Yeah, honestly, it was a good it was a good deal because well, they after the month was over, 
they actually revealed that their opinions shifted. So like there were there were nine percent less likely to think that Democrats were trying to steal the election. They were thirteen percent less likely to believe Biden getting elected will lead to more Black Lives Matter police protest shootings, and five percent more likely to believe that other countries are doing better at protecting against COVID. And that's just in like a month of watching like a different news outlet. And yeah, I mean, imagine what would have happened if they watched a better news outlet. Yeah. You know? True. Uh, it's Very always true. possible to have your perspective change. Like, if you look at something that's different than what you typically mm-hmm. believe, like, no matter who you are, how old you are, where you live, like, it's always possible to have your mind changed. Yeah, exactly. It's just that you have to be, like, super introspective, you know, like, not letting yourself get caught up in defensiveness or stubbornness or closed mindedness. You know, you kind of, like, that kind of those defense mechanisms you had to develop as a child, you know, or whatever. Like there's a lot of rewiring that it takes to like undo that, but it's worth it. I mean, these people didn't have to, they were paid to do it, but not everybody gets paid to change their minds. How do you rewire that instinct in yourself? I mean, I've definitely been defensive before. I don't think I am as much anymore. And I try to stay away from situ situ (laughs) situations. Why did I eat that word? (laughs) I had like a seizure. <laughs> For the what's gonna happen season finale, Evangelia has a seizure a while we're recording. We should just make the rest of the, the podcast that um audio of the car crashing that's like a, a minute and a half long. I hope there's never some kind of disaster while we're recording because I never want me reacting to a disaster uh, like being recorded that because I react be awesome. so terribly. I, <laughs> I would start being like, oh my god, Evangelia's having a seizure. We need to kill ourselves. <laughs> oh my god. That is what you would say if I was having a seizure? I am saying I would react badly. <laughs> Doesn't have to be that. To kill I'm having like a minor seizure and like the doctor. Okay, needs- a minor seizure. <laughs> yeah. I'm having a little seizure and suddenly everybody's getting all worked up about it. I just don't think it's worth killing ourselves. <laughs> Imagine I actually have it. <laughs> no, yeah, I've definitely been defensive before. Um, I don't think I am as much anymore. You know, I try to stay away from situations that would like trigger me. I guess I try to pay attention to language when I'm angry. Like instead of saying you're annoying me or you're making me mad, kind of trying to like change the language to focus on whatever behavior or problem is like pissing me off instead of, you know, trying to like target the person that I'm talking to. I feel like that just makes a big difference. It's kind of the difference between making an enemy out of each other and like facing a problem together, even if you don't necessarily want to face a problem like with someone else. I wonder if me and my TikTok haters will ever face the problem together. Oh, that's the dream, isn't it? <laughs> Truly. I'm also just like reminding myself that things are not that deep. Like even when it is that deep, just kind of be like, it's okay. I'm going to like overcome this. Even if it involves processing my feelings through like, you know, crying or taking time away or whatever, like uncomfortable process it takes, like, you know, it's going to, it'll happen kind of. But how do you like keep patience with people? Like if you're mad at someone in particular? I mean, I've learned to kind of like try and just think of people as both like being and becoming at the same time, like like accepting people for who they are and also like trying to like look at them as a growing individual, kind of like radical acceptance, which we talked about before. But like, you know, still maintaining boundaries. It takes a lot of practice and I struggle with it a lot. But like, you know, otherwise I end up just having resentments. I found that this is like the way to avoid them for the most part. 
it's really hard for people to hold two things at once like reminding yourself of good things that are happening in the world things you're grateful for and mm-hmm. you know all that shit from our god outsold episode yeah pretty much <laughs> just listen to that one all that spiritual <laughs> i think like a lot of people feel like this is the end of the world you know like a lot of people are angry about the state of the world and it just ends up leading to like a hyper fixation and like a stagnant kind of pessimism and i, f- I fall into that too yeah you're telling me the world's not ending I, well, yeah, but it, you know, hasn't it always Pizza's been? Pizza's $3.25 I mean, it now. is, yeah. But it's ended before. Might as well send in the flood. Well, <laughs> <laughs> That's actually so true. Um, Horrible it, stuff has always been. Yeah, it, yeah. Like, there was this um, this Native American documentary filmmaker on TikTok, and his name is Dalen Keeper, and he, ba- he's, he made this video, and he says, like, to everyone who thinks that today's conditions are indicative of the apocalypse, just consider that indigenous people have already seen the apocalypse. Experts estimate up to 56 million people were killed during the European invasion, decimating 90% of Native Americans. Not because the Europeans had superior militaries, but because of their deadly diseases. Which is so fucking scary when you really think about it. Like, they were basically a boat of zombies that just came and infected everyone. Yeah, that's fucking disgusting. But yeah, he goes on to say that, like, you know, the native descendants still remain and always will. And I just think, like, that brings up a really good point of, like, you know, upper class white people finally starting to worry about end times because of the pandemic and climate change. When POC and, like, even just, like, all countries throughout history have been faced with what seemed like world ending struggles. You know, this is, like, since the beginning of time. To be fair, those kind of you know? were world ending struggles. No, like, they were. The native Americans. Yeah, no, it was. Like, that. that's his whole point. But, like, there is still, like, hope for a future. Like, you know, there is still, like, a presence. Like, you know, if if you're scared and angry turning that energy into like something else like making art protesting spreading awareness you know or making a podcast with your best friend so you could have a safe space to have real conversations you know or like. or just have those real conversations without an audience <laughs> we just have big egos and think everyone needs to hear what we have to say there's definitely a lot of good in this world. It's good to be in the know, but to not let it consume you. Focusing on things in our real lives is ultimately going to be much more fulfilling than anything you do online. But also, thank you for listening to our podcast that you accessed by being online. That's true. Yeah, it is. It's hard to separate like real life from the Internet. And it's, it's actually much harder than you might even think, especially when it's, you know, like your job. Like, I think just being like hope punk is kind of the best thing that any of us can do. Hope punk. Yeah, like still, you know, working towards bettering yourself and the world around you, but also like kind of being nihilistic because you're way too overwhelmed with information and like all have issues because of them. Any final words before we disappear for a while? Um. <coughs> oh God, it's happening, Gia. <laughs> Gia, time to kill ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, my final words are uh, Trudy Goodman once said, the cycle of moods, the cycle of experiences you go through, they do repeat themselves. Begin to have trust in the cyclical nature of expansion and contraction. And I've been liking that quote a lot recently. I think it's relevant. Do you have any last words? Do you have a favorite quote, maybe? The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Thomas Jefferson. And with that, <laughs> thank you all for tuning in to this season of What's Gonna Happen. We had a great time making this for you, and we appreciate all the engagement we've gotten. Keep DMing us and emailing us and rating us five stars, all that. We'll be back soon, but we're taking a break to work on some new stuff we think you'll like. Yeah. You can follow us on Instagram, at What's Gonna Happen Pod, or on Twitter, at WGH Pod. And from the hole my dad punched in the wall, this has been <laughs> What's Gonna Happen. <laughs>